At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and a very interesting NHL semifinal series. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday morning? I am confounded to use uh, Mike Greenberg's term uh, that I heard on the radio the other day, or puzzled or surprised or shocked at where we stand at all this uh did not think the golden knights would be down three two after five games i gotta say so it's uh it's been an interesting uh morning here as i sort of try to make sense of it all yes yeah, same here it's definitely been you know interesting surprising to see how this series has played out and where the golden knights As we sit here and talk on Wednesday morning, obviously, most of this podcast will be us uh, trying to unravel the mystery of how the Golden Knights found themselves on the brink of elimination against the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to unpack, obviously, what's going on with the offense because that's a major storyline. We're going to talk about uh, the goalies in this series for both teams and an interesting decision that Coach Pete DeBoer has to make for tomorrow's Game 6. And we're going to try to go through at least some positives for the Golden Knights as well, because I don't want this podcast to be totally doom and gloom and a little bit prisoner of the moment uh, because we're recording it the morning after game five of the series. But obviously, things are not looking for the Golden Knights. Uh, They're not looking great right now. So before we get into all that, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Please also check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, Dave's been putting together some great game stories. Our columnist, Ed Graney, has done some awesome, awesome work during this postseason. And I've got a you know, few things up on the site as well, uh, including this morning. A story about a Golden Knights player that kind of got away, if you can stomach that read. So let's dive into this series. The last time we talked to you guys was after Game 2, when it was tied 1-1. Knights won Game 1. Montreal battled back in Game 2. Since then, as we've already mentioned, Montreal has taken a 3-2 series lead. The Canadians won Game 3, 3-2 in overtime. The Knights bounced back, won Game 4, 2-1 in overtime. And then Montreal took Game 5 last night at T-Mobile Arena, 4-1. The Knights now have to win two straight to keep their season alive and reach their second Stanley Cup final in four years. They are 2-3 and three in elimination games in their history, uh, both wins coming in Game 7s against Vancouver last year and Minnesota earlier this postseason. The Knights, in their history, have never won an elimination game to extend a series. Uh, They were facing elimination down 3-1 to the Washington Capitals. Their first year in the Stanley Cup Final, lost in five games. Same situation against Dallas in last year's Western Conference Final. They were down 3-1, lost in five games. Uh, That being said... As we noted before in this series, and of course our preview of this series and after the first two games of the series, 
All the Knights are definitely the more talented team. They were heavy, heavy favorites entering this series, and they're actually still favorites in game six on the road, despite what has happened so far in this series. Uh, Montreal, I guess, has looked like the far superior team the last two games. However, uh, before we dive into some specific things that we definitely need to break down in this matchup, just Dave, overall, what are you seeing? What is Montreal seemingly doing so well to frustrate the Knights and uh, seemingly on the other end kind of generate their own momentum? Well, I think it's sort of a conservative lull you to sleep game plan a little bit. And and maybe that's a backhanded compliment to the Canadians. And it sort of takes away from the edge that they play with and the speed with, that they play with and the pressure that they put on teams you know, early on in games and they put the Knights on their heels, scored the first goal in three of the five games. And what they're really good at is playing with the lead and stacking the blue line, not making it easy for the Knights to get through the neutral zone. And then once they're in the, in the offensive zone, the Knights, you know, it's a big, strong defense that the Canadians have. They're essentially riding four defensemen. They're just riding their top four and spotting, you know, their fifth and sixth defensemen in, you know, a little bit here and there. And, you know, we talk about, you know, a guy like Alec Martinez and what he does for them. Well, you know, a guy like Joel Edmondson and a guy like Ben Sherrod have, has, you know, done the same sort of things, blocking shots, putting the body on the line, doing all the little things, you know, that, that, you know, a team needs while, you know, Shea Weber has been the big, strong, heavy guy. And they got Jeff Petrie back, you know, starting with game two, that seemed to, you know, really solidify their back end. And, and, and they just, they frustrated the Knights because the Knights are, are playing from behind and they try to do too much. And they basically are trying to hit three run home runs at times. And it ends up leading to plays like you see where where you have Mark Stone last night trying to go one on three shorthanded and loses the puck to Nick Suzuki and he's so frustrated about that that he you know basically forgets to back check and doesn't pick up Cole Caulfield in his coasting while Caulfield puts the, the uh, third goal behind Mark Andre Fleury so it, you know it's just it's a lot of different things within within a very simple game plan that the Canadians are executing and you know, until the Knights are able to get the lead and sort of pressure the Canadians the way that they did in the second and third period of game one, they're going to continue to face this riddle that they're going to have to solve. Yeah, and so far they have not been successful at solving it at all. Uh, specifically, the scoring just has not been there. That's obviously been a kind of common playoff theme for the Knights the last two postseasons. Uh, in this series, they have seven goals in their last four games. Max Pacioretty is the only top six forward with a goal. Uh, Mark Stone, who Dave just mentioned, has no points this series. Jonathan Marsh so has one assist. Riley Smith and Alex Tuck each have two assists. And William Carlson is the leader in the clubhouse in terms of the top six with three assists. Uh, Chandler Stevenson has one assist. He obviously missed three games of this series, so he's kind of less included in terms of you know guys not producing. I think just as concerning as all those uh, numbers I write a lot for the Knights is the fact that they're just also not seemingly creating a lot of chances. It's not like they're getting a ton of great looks that Carey Price is just kind of turning aside, which 
we saw in the Vancouver series last year and, you know, definitely a little bit in the Dallas series as well. I mean, just for reference, uh, Thatcher Demko had 7.87 goals saved above average in all situations in uh, games five through seven of that connect series, which is just like absurd. It's ridiculous. I mean, he is essentially saving more than two goals uh, above expected per game. It's two goals that he's basically taking off the board per game because he was just playing that well. Uh, Anton Hudobin for the stars in the Western conference final had a 4.57 goals saved above average in five games. Also incredible. He's nearly saving basically a goal per game. And, you know, just for reference, in case people are wondering, you know, kind of what uh, a good number is for goal saved above average, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury had 20 goal saves above average in the regular season, over 36 games this year. That was the fourth most in the NHL. He was obviously a uh, Vesna Trophy finalist, but he was, you know, at about half a goal per game. All those guys, the Knights faced in the playoffs last year, were definitely above that. Uh, Carey Price is not above that. In this series, he's at a 2.01 goal saved above average. He has been good, but it's not like the Knights are getting goalied to the same extent in the playoffs. Again, Price has made, for the most part, you know, a lot of saves that he's had to. He's honestly had a few that he probably would like back. But, Dave, it's not like the Knights are putting a lot of pressure on carry price or they are not you know testing him as often as we may be expected because i think for the most part when we are previewing these series when a lot of people were previewing this series kind of one of the keys for montreal was like oh they're going to need carry price to steal them a game or two in order for the canadians to pull off the upset i don't think we've really seen him have to steal you know a game really for the canadians so far maybe you could say Game three, but even then, the Knights weren't getting a ton of high-quality looks. He hasn't just had to be that spectacular so far. As you were, as you were talking, and I was, as I was thinking about what I just said earlier, I'm like, wow, I didn't even mention Carey Price and all of that. You know, it was all about the defense and sort of the game. But it wasn't even about the goalie who's allowed seven goals in the past four games and has a 9.44 save percentage. You know, over that stretch. And yeah, he has been good and he's made, you know, a handful of, I guess, carry price saves. Uh, the one on Riley Smith, I think in the third period last night stands out, but then you go back and you look at the shot and like Riley Smith basically kind of put it back into him and it wasn't really even all that good of a shot. And that seems to be, you know, a lot of the story with this is, you know, they test him at times. He makes some, some good solid saves. And then other times, you know, they, they generate a good look and they either pass it up for, you know, what they think is a, is a better play or they just miss the net entirely. Like that, that's been an issue too. And I don't know if that's the carry price effect and that's in their head and they're trying to be perfect with, with certain things. But, but yeah, a, a lot of this is, is not. Like you said, getting goalied, it's not like Dallas last year. It's not like the Vancouver series. It's, you know, this is what's in front of them and not being able to penetrate the web that the Canadians are putting up in front of them before they even get to carry price. So, the, like, there's a whole lot of issues here, and I think there's a whole lot of concern going into game six for for those reasons. I mean, they generated... 
21 shots on goal in the game four victory had 27 last night. I mean, that's, you know, if you're going to try to like average it out to 24 shots, like that's like eight, eight or nine less per game than they averaged during the regular season. So yeah, a lot of this is, you know, Carey Price playing well and, and, you know, the Canadians playing well in front of them, but it's, the Knights are just not getting chances. They're just not getting shots. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-ONE-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Garman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, the fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, the fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, what I think is interesting, Dave, is that Pete DeBoer mentioned at the end of last postseason when the Knights' uh, lack of offense cost them against Dallas, he said, we need to find different ways to score. And one of those ways that he mentioned was the power play. Well, that is 0 for 13 this series. It is 4 for 41 in the playoffs, which is the lowest among all the teams that made the postseason in the NHL this year. And you can tell that the Knights' lack of execution there, and of course the lack of execution at five on five, is just affecting their top players' confidence. You mentioned Stone, you know, pressing on that penalty kill last night. I'm Jonathan Marsh, so out there trying to pick corners, trying to make a perfect shot rather than just put a shot on net. And the Stone thing in particular, I think, has to be concerning for the Knights because you could make, you know, I think quite a few excuses for him earlier in this series, but most of those were wiped away for game five. Obviously, he didn't have uh, Chandler Stevenson, his normal center for games two through four because of an upper body injury. And then also in Montreal for games three and four, he was primarily matched up against the very excellent uh, Philip Deneau line for the majority of his five and five time. Um, Excellent defensive line, Philip Deneau's line. Last night, Stevenson was back. The Knights controlled the matchups because they were at home. And so they got to, you know, avoid putting stone against Philip Deneau's line. And Montreal still had a 4-1 edge in high danger scoring chances when stone uh, was at the ice on five on five. Uh, To twist the knife a little bit in terms of the top players not performing that well. uh, Former Knights draft pick Nick Suzuki leads all players in this series with five points. He hit a goal and two assists last night, which means he matched Max Pacioretty's production for the entire series in one game. Uh, Not that I'm sure many Knights fans need to be reminded of this, but Suzuki and Pacioretty were, of course, traded for each other in 2018 before the Knights' second season. Uh, One thing we did see last night is Pete DeBoer scrambled his top nine, both at the beginning of the second period and then again at the beginning of the third period last night, which is not something we've seen very often to try to get a spark going. Uh, Obviously it didn't work, but I mean, David, do you think there's a button or a a change that, you know, Pete DeBoer can press or make before game six, that's going to open up some offense for the Golden Knights? Or does this simply come down to, Hey, they're good players have to 
play well in order for them to, you know, get back in this thing. I'm always of the opinion that it's the latter. And I don't know who they can insert into the lineup that you would expect to make that kind of difference other than maybe Peyton Krebs. Um, You know, we've seen him sort of skate from the Zamboni door to the locker room, you know, across the ice. And I I couldn't tell last time if he had uh, the jaw protection on. I think we saw him, you know, walking into the restaurant and sort of mumbled hi to us. So I don't know that it's like wired shut. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but you know, they just, they don't really have an option right now. I like other than, you know, like you said, you you can scramble, I think the top six a little bit, but Pete DeBoer was so hesitant to do that. And it almost screamed a little desperation to see him go away from that misfit line for the first time. Uh, and and try to put March so together with Stone and Stevenson and see if they have any chemistry. Uh, there's not, you know, other, other than maybe Alex Tuck, you know, he's the one guy that that's in the, I guess you could say bottom six, top nine, you know, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Uh, maybe you could bump up. Maybe you could rearrange the lines in that way. Try to stretch it out a little bit. Maybe give, you know, the Canadians a different look when they have the last change at home. For game six, you know, try to counter some of the things that they're doing. Maybe make the Dano matchup because obviously everything predicates for, I guess it's Luke Richardson now. But, you know, it, it starts with the Dano line and who they want to match up with. And then they, they kind of go from there. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to maybe get the second line away from, you know, Suzuki's line. Uh, that seems to be a matchup that's going you know, the way of the Canadians right now. I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. Like you get to this point in the season, you play 56 games, you play, you know, what, how, how many, 18? 18 playoff games so far for the Knights. Yeah. So like you've come this far. I don't think you can just like dramatically change or do something, you know, too much to all of a sudden say, you know, okay, well, we're just going to fix it. I mean, I think they would have done that earlier, but you know, right now the problem is like, other than a play off a face off, they're just they're not scoring. So something has to happen. Yeah, we'll see if they're able to uh, do something in game six when it comes to their offense. But uh, let's pivot to a different uh, kind of you know decision that Pete DeBoer is facing, and that of course is the goaltending because uh, a lot has happened in the Golden Knights crease the last. Uh, three games of this series that we have yet to talk about. So Marc-Andre Fleury plays games one through three because he has been the Knights' primary starter the, this entire season. He is, of course, a Fesno Trophy finalist this year. But he basically single-handedly costs the Knights a win by misplaying a puck behind his own net right to Josh Anderson with 155 remaining in the third period of game three. The Canadians go on to win that game in overtime off another Anderson goal. DeBoer decides to go with Robin Leonard in game four because he thinks Flurry is fatigued, not because of the misplay, or so DeBoer claims, and he gets an incredible goaltending performance. Leonard makes 27 saves in a 2-1 overtime win in which the Knights had only one high-danger scoring chance the entire game, and it was Nicholas Waugh's overtime winner. So basically, the all of regulation, the Knights didn't have a high-danger scoring chance on Leonard keeps them 
in that game. And honestly, that effort is probably one of the only reasons where we're actually still talking about the Knights having a chance to come back and win this series rather than already looking ahead to the offseason because they've been eliminated. Uh, Flurry comes back in game five last night, gives up three goals. Uh, one was an empty netter, so the fourth goal is not on him. Um, but he gives up three goals on 25 shots. Uh, I don't think you could particularly blame any of those goals on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, the defense in front of him was not great for any of them. But in this series, he is 1-3 with a 9.04 save percentage. So, Dave, if you are Pete DeBoer and you are being paid quite well to, as he likes to say, make the decision that gives his team the best chance to win the game, what do you think you're doing when it comes to your starting goaltender for game six? And, you know, obviously, the, whatever way you lean, you probably have to go to that guy for a potential game seven as well if you're fortunate enough to get there. Yeah, I think I'll use a poker term as it's, you know, like as the hand is played, as it plays out. I think you have to go with Leonard. Uh, and then if he wins it, I think you have to stick with Leonard. And then you have to ride him for. As long as you ride him at that point, like that's just the way that it works in the playoffs. And that's the way it works when you have two goalies you can go to. I mean, I think back to it's, you know, the Washington example with Holpe. They started with you know, Grubauer and didn't work for a couple games. They got in a hole. They went to Holpe. You know, when Flurry was in Pittsburgh, obviously one year it was injury, but, you know, Flurry takes over. He gets them through the Washington series and, gets him as far as he can in the Ottawa series. And then, you know, Murray takes over. Like, that's that's just kind of how it's done. Um, and, and at this point, I think, you know, it, I, I'll admit, I, because I, I don't want there to be receipts on me. I don't, I didn't understand sort of more so the optics and, and whatever with why you would go to Leonard for game four. It looked like a desperation move to me. In hindsight and in thinking about it more, and especially because even at the time I acknowledged this, you're not you're going to a number one goalie when you do that. You're not going to, no offense, but you're not going to Malcolm Subban. You're not going to Maxim Lagasse or Oscar Dansk or Joe Schmo or anybody else. Like you're going to Robin Leonard. You're going to a Vesna finalist. You're going to a proven number one goaltender. So you have the option, you use it, and and it worked there. And, and, and it makes sense now to like, yeah, you okay, you rest Flurry and he's your guy, and it almost works like a regular season rotation, and you go back to him for game five. But it didn't work, and they need they need a spark, and whether Pete DeBoer wants to admit this or not, you're going to worry about Marc-Andre Fleury in Montreal just thinking about that play, you know, in, in his hometown and, and, you know, more than anything, like I'll look, I'll talk about the doom and gloom, like <laughs> either way, like it, this might be the end for Mark Andre Fleury. If the Knights crash out here, you know, where they're going to go through the off season again. We, I, I've said this before, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. They're going to go through this whole goalie, you know, merry-go-round in the off season again and have to decide to decide, whether they want to allocate $12 million in salary cap to it or whether they're going to clear space and try to go after somebody who can 
score goals and solve their offensive problem in, in the postseason that, that's popped up the last couple of years. If that means that, that Marc-Andre Fleury, who made the gaffe in Game 3 and didn't win Game 5, like you said, it's not his fault, but he didn't win that game. And they played like crud in front of him. Let's call that like it is. Like they laid an absolute dud in arguably the most important game of the year. And that's not necessarily on Flurry, but he didn't win and you need to just do something different. So, yeah, I know I'm rambling and, and threw a bunch of stuff out, but the answer to your question is I think they go with Leonard. Yeah, we'll have to see because you could obviously, I think, make the argument that the Knights played like crud in game four as well, but Leonard was there to basically bail them out. And like I said, at this point, I think their season is still alive because of that performance. Now, obviously, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has several performances this postseason that have kind of saved his team's bacon. So we'll see whether he gets one more opportunity to do that in game six or whether, you know, the Knights will turn it over to Robin Leonard. I mean, either way, it's going to be a fascinating and difficult decision for Pete DeBoer and one that uh, is going to Echo, as Dave mentioned, into the offseason, potentially, depending on how things play out. Um, all right, I want to close out with a couple things that are not just uh, completely doom and gloom, because I do feel like sometimes, you know, this podcast is easy to be somewhat prisoners of the moment or whatever, because we're recording, you know, in the morning, right after we witnessed, as Dave said, a very cruddy performance by the Golden Knights. I felt like we might have been like a little bit too harsh on them when we recorded after game two because the series was still 1-1 and the Knights were still heavily favored. They're not favored in the series anymore, obviously, being down 3-2. They are favored in game six. And obviously, if they are able to win game six and get it back to a game seven at T-Mobile Arena, that's when or go home, they would be favored in that as well. Um some notes to point out, Alex Petrangelo, I think, continues to easily be the Knights' best skater the past two series. Uh, Nicholas Wav, I already mentioned him. He's, you know, was playing in his home province as well. Up in Montreal, had the overtime winner. He's been really good this series. The Knights had to take Alex Tuck off his line in games three and four because they needed a first-line center replacement for Chandler Stevenson. And there really wasn't a drop-off uh, on that third line uh, with Wav. Like, you would almost expect there to be when you have kind of an offensive play driver like Tuck. Um, also, you know, move, looking ahead to the Knights' credit, they have backed themselves into a lot of corners uh, in the regular season somewhat, but especially in the playoffs, and responded. Uh, they won Game 7 against Minnesota after blowing a 3-1 lead. They rallied against Colorado after being down 2-0 in that series, and they were even trailing very late in Game 3, and at risk of you know, getting bounced pretty quickly in the second round. Uh, they were, of course, down 2-1 in this series and then came back to tie in game four before falling behind again uh, last night in game five. Uh, they have had kind of a resilience to them and a way of responding to adversity. Uh, that being said, this is a completely new spot for them in their kind of franchise history. They've never been down 3-2 in a series before. And, you know, as we've pointed out several times, they just straight up have not played well the past two games. Uh, game four was not a good game for the skaters, and they got a big assist from their goaltender. And uh, last night, their goalie couldn't save them from another very bad performance. Uh, so, 
running through all those things, Dave, how much uh, optimism are you feeling from the Knights' perspective in Game 6? Where do you think their chances lie now that their backs really are against the wall right now? I mean, I'm trying to maintain hope, optimism, I guess, if if that's you know what we want to talk about. I mean, they're the 40-win team from their regular season now. You know, I guess we can make an argument about the North division strength and the West division strength and the bottom of that and how much those numbers are padded. And, you know, is this a small sample and should we you know, do all that? Blah, blah, blah. That's all the fun stuff that, that we get to talk about, you know, but look, the Knights are still a good team. They're still a, a team, like you said, that has shown the ability to come back in games in series. And, you know, if you, I guess, read Robin Leonard's uh, Twitter timeline and and say, you know, go by his music and, hey, nothing's changed. Uh, they feel pretty confident, apparently. They seem to be, you know, locked in and sort of almost, uh, you know, ticked off last night, you know, after that game. And if that's what it takes for them to, you know, play the way that they need to play, which has been very minimal in this series. Like, let's be honest. I think it's been two periods of game one and, you know, maybe a third period here and there. And, and that's about it. They, they just, I don't know if it's a letdown from the Colorado series that they put so much into that and then just, you know, figured, okay, this is an underdog team and then just haven't been able to get back up for it. But if backs against the wall and being in an elimination game doesn't do it for you, you know, nothing's going to. So you, you figure that at this point, they're at full strength. They're going to give their best game. And if that's not enough, you know, then, you know, we're talking about major changes in the offseason. Yeah, we'll have to see how they respond uh, in game six. That's at 5 p.m. Uh, Thursday night. It's going to be fascinating because, as you mentioned, Dave, I mean, the Knights were heavily favored in this series. They tied for the most points in the regular season in the NHL. They had the most wins in the regular season in the NHL. Uh, meanwhile, the Canadians finished 18th in points percentage in the league. There were teams that didn't make the playoffs that had a better points percentage than Montreal. Uh, yet, here the Canadians are on the brink of eliminating the Golden Knights, and going to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we'll see if the Knights are able to flip the script. We'll obviously uh, be back with a show either way in the coming days, uh, depending on whether we are talking about the Knights rallying to make their stand- second Stanley Cup final in four years, or whether we're talking about an offseason that is uh, coming probably earlier than a lot of people expected, at least you know compared to where a lot of people's heads were at at the start of this series. Uh, For now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. Uh, As a reminder, we are sponsored by One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We're going to have so much coming at you guys in the coming days, no matter how all this plays out. And of course, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you need a podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. At 
One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.